from Vero Beach, Florida. It's the Money Nation Show. I'm Ed Gardner. Good afternoon, everyone. Today's special guest is Bob Carey, Chief Market Strategist at First Trust Port Advisors out of Wheaton, Illinois. Bob grew up in southwest New York, outside of Buffalo. He's an upstate New York guy. Finished uh, growing up in Boston before he graduated from high school in the Chicago area. Bob got his uh, BS in physics from the University of Illinois in Champaign. He is a member of the CFA Society, that's Chartered Financial Analysts. And Bob today manages with his staff about $170 billion for First Trust. And you've probably seen Bob before on CNBC, Bloomberg, or read about him in the Wall Street Journal. Bob, thank you for being on Money Nation today. It's an honor to uh, be with you, Ed. Good seeing you. Glad you're here. I wish I were in Florida right exactly, now. Exactly. So do I. <laughs> <laughs> Bob, let's start off and just tell us about uh, First Trust, the company. Yeah, First Trust is uh, about to celebrate their 30th anniversary here in uh, May. We've been around uh, doing a lot of different things over the years. Our biggest lines of business right now are exchange-traded funds, ETFs. We've been doing that now for about 15 years. And we have become, over the last 30 years, the largest provider of unit investment trusts. And those are our two main lines of business. We've got other uh, structured products-related businesses and so forth. But we're, uh, you know, we're a fairly small firm. We're employee-owned. Uh, we've got about 1,000 employees. And our business model is a little bit different than a lot of other uh, asset managers in our business. We really don't advertise directly to the public. Our business is very much focused on supporting financial advisors first and foremost and really exclusively. So uh, you'll never see our name on a building or a sports stadium or whatever. We, we really do uh, focus our business on, um, on service and being of service to uh, financial advisors all around the country and, and now increasingly beyond. We've uh, been doing business now in Canada for many years, Europe, South America, uh, doing a little more business now in Asia. So we've really um, you know, build our business really from a grassroots perspective. We're very quantitative in terms of how we do things. That's one of the uh, things that I brought to the table when I started with the firm 30 years ago. My, my background in science and math really um, carries over in terms of our investment philosophy and a lot of the things that we do from that perspective. And so we're really uh, ultimately a very quant-based shop in most of the things that we do as well. So it's, uh, I've been, I'm the original uh, director of research done a lot of different things with the firm, um, but we've now got about 100 CFAs now working for us. So our, our firm has grown tremendously on that side as well. So um, it's great to be, uh, to be a little bit better known, I think, today than we were maybe 10, 15 years ago. But our, our business focus really has stayed very much towards uh, taking care of financial advisors. Yeah, you guys grown a lot. I mean, are you the fifth or sixth biggest ETF firm now in the country? Or we are. Yeah, we uh, we were like number forty or whatever, uh, not that many years ago. But we've really grown uh, quite a bit here in the last several years. We were ranked uh, basically in the top five by Barrons now for the last four years in a row on the equity side. So we've definitely. Uh, been getting a little bit more publicity and so forth. We're not really seeking it, but it, you know, we've we've put up some pretty good numbers, and I think uh, I think the numbers are have really helped us in our marketing efforts. That's fantastic. And you're from Wheaton, Illinois, which is kind of the ETF hotbed. There's a it really is companies in Wheaton. Is there any reason for that? 
Well, I think basically Chicago itself is the, um, you know, the home of Nuveen and a, a lot of other firms, uh, a lot of firms that were in the, in the UIT business many, many years ago. And a lot of folks have splintered off and we're kind of the Silicon Valley of the uh, ETF business, if you will. Uh, a lot of folks have come here, started businesses here. And, um, you know, we've got uh, competitors that literally are right down the street from us uh, in, in both directions. So it's, uh, it's kind of interesting. A lot of folks uh, have worked either at First Trust or we've worked, you know, well, some of us have worked other places, uh, other shops. So we're, uh, we're the biggest at this point, but it's, it's been fun to, to be a part of that little incubation that, that's uh, happened over the years. The big news lately has been the treasury yields climbing and the fiscal stimulus package. Uh, and the question to you, Bob, is, you know, most of the money is going to or a large part of it to non-productive debts like paying state, state debt, pensions, foreign countries are getting money out of this. So if most of the money isn't in the consumer hands where they're going to be spending that, does that dampen your outlook on corporate earnings? Not necessarily. I think ultimately the amount of money in circulation uh, has increased tremendously here in the last year. Uh, on the other side of this pandemic, and we do think we're getting closer to the end of this, we've got essentially a 25% increase in the money supply. So normally the money supply grows by about 6% per year. And uh, all of a sudden here we are a year after this pandemic starts and we've seen the money supply grow effectively in an amount equal to about four years worth of growth in the money supply under normal times. So I think essentially we're floating on a lot of liquidity. Uh, the, the, the bigger issue I think for us as investors longer term is, um, you know, will inflation stay under control? We got a CPI figure today of 1.7% on a year over year basis for the CPI. The core was 1.3%. Now last summer, um, that, that, those figures were closer to a half a percent. So we've seen, as you mentioned, the treasury market has, uh, we've seen yields go up, especially in the longer end of the curve. And a lot of it correlates with basically, uh, basically a rise in inflation. Now, obviously, the big question here going forward is whether or not inflation stays in this range. I think the Fed wouldn't mind if it rose a little bit more, maybe closer to 2%. Uh, but the question is, how long will the Fed allow inflation to run at 2% when essentially our cash is earning zero. Uh, so it's really the long end of the treasury curve where uh, the market is basically, and, and, you know, basically pricing in this higher level of inflation. And the Fed is obviously keeping rates at zero on the short end. And at some point, investors are gonna, are gonna realize that and go, I'm gonna, I need to do something with my money besides let it erode uh, slowly and safely, but still, you know, you do lose purchasing power in that, in that environment. Today, there was a report out that I read, talked about showing tame inflation. Uh, how could that be? Or what, what, what were they talking about? Well, you know, I, I graduated high school in 81. So I, I grew up in the 70s. And I, I think when you think about the inflation that we had around that time, 1.7% is, is quite tame by comparison uh, but we never saw the money supply increase in a single year by 25% back in the 70s. So it, we're, we're kind of living in a, you know, the word unprecedented is thrown, thrown around a lot, obviously. And this really is unprecedented that we have this much uh, money supply created in such a short period of time. The demand for credit going into this pandemic, a lot of people think the Fed just sits there and prints money. Well, the reality is it's the money is lent out and, and the demand for credit absolutely soared 
uh, about a year ago. You go back to last February, last March, and a lot of businesses uh, basically called up their bankers and said, we want to take down every last dollar in our line of credit. And uh, normally when we have an increase in the demand for credit, typically the Fed recognizes that and is raising interest rates. Well, the Fed did exactly the opposite and essentially interfered in, in, the, in the market in a significant way. And at some point, I do think we are going to deal with inflation. As, as, I mean, it, it's hard to imagine we wouldn't have more inflation to contend with down the road. 30-year mortgage hitting a record high since July. I guess the refis are calling. We're at 3.26 on the 30-year. What's your? Uh, I think that's a problem. What's your opinion on that or thoughts on that? I don't think with, as long as unemployment trends lower, I think that's the key thing for uh, markets like housing and automobiles and so forth. I think in the end, um, a small increase in rates, you know, is not enough to send those markets um, into the tailspin that we'd worry about. Uh, you know, the reality is unemployment uh, figures were very strong in the month of February. Unemployment um, is still fairly high, but it is trending down. Job creation is, I, I would have to think, is going to improve a fair amount here in the months ahead as we start to reopen the economy. You mentioned inflation before. Uh, were interest rates and inflation going, in your opinion? Uh, what, what's your projection on inflation, and uh, what impact will that have on the valuations in general? Yeah, they've already played out uh, to a large extent. I think in the last uh, couple of weeks, you know, we've seen, you know, the what I call the high duration stocks. You know, you, th you think of duration uh, or basically extension risk in the bond market as a as a reality. Uh, it is the long end of the curve where those rates have gone up and the stocks in the tech sector, especially those are companies that are largely valued based upon their earnings, you know, five, 10, 15 years down the road. They're really not necessarily, they're, they're high growth companies that typically have, have a high valuation. So you're paying a lot for those future earnings. Those stocks have definitely taken uh, the brunt of this correction um, in that space. And a lot of that is just simply revaluation because of uh, the long end of the curve going up. So uh, I think this is something that's gonna be with us for the time being. I do think the long end of the curve, we see the 10 year treasury get closer to 2% here as the year goes on. And there are gonna be times when the market is not gonna really care about it. And there are gonna be times when the market cares very much about it. We've got you know several weeks before we have earnings reports to digest. So in the absence of, of the, that kind of information coming out, the market is going to trade more on uh, what I call discount rate factors. Interest rates, credit spreads are probably going to have more of an effect than earnings and economic growth uh, expectations. Well, you know, the time for that will be here in, in uh, April when we start getting earnings reports. Interesting. Uh, Bob, we're going to take a quick break here. Uh, and listeners out there, always remember, any questions at all about your portfolio, your pension, any investment questions at all, always feel free to give me a call. You can call me at 518-255-8854 or email me at edgardner at cutter, C-U-T-T-E-R, co-co.com. We'll be right back on Money Nation. All opinions expressed by Ed Gardner and or his guests on the Money Nation show are solely Ed Gardner's and or his guests' opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Cutter & Company or any of their affiliates. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Ed Gardner and or guests as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only in as an expression of their opinion. 
Ed Gardner's and his guests' opinions are based on information he considers reliable, but neither Cutter and Company nor affiliates and or subsidies warrant its completeness or accuracy, and it should not be relied upon as such. Always talk to your financial advisor before making such decisions. Welcome back, Bob. Uh, next question. Given uh, growth prospects during the reopening of the economy and rising interest rates, does the current market volatility, especially the NASDAQ, does that affect your positioning at all? And how do you view the technology sector going forward in 2021? Yeah, that is the question that I've been getting the most here in the last week or so. We are bullish on the tech sector. I think the tech, will, tech sector will have a decent year uh, as the year goes on, but we're going to have bouts of volatility that I think are largely, um, you know, interest rate induced. And, and, I, and at the same time, I, I think that ultimately the, uh, the value side of the market, which has outperformed this year so far, I think it continues to outperform. I think when we take a look at earnings growth rates for sectors such as industrials, materials, financials, uh, these are sectors of the market that will benefit the most from the reopening of the economy. I think you can throw energy in there as well. And I think ultimately um, investors are beginning to position their portfolio uh, away from just having tech and, and NASDAQ related stocks. I've talked to a lot of financial advisors in the last several months. And I think that one of the themes that I keep getting is that uh, a lot of folks got very, very comfortable having the substantial part of their equity allocations in just the tech sector or tech related sectors. And really since November, small caps have done well. The international side has performed better than we've seen in quite a while. And it's really been the value side of the market that has been uh, the beneficiary of this uh, vaccine news and the, the rising expectation that we get uh, back to normal. I think eventually tech will lead the market. Um, it, we saw a little bit of this back in 2009, 2010, 2011. It really, the tech sector didn't perform poorly during that time. It just, it, it didn't lead the market like it eventually did, uh, especially through the pandemic. So I think to some extent, um, I, I think we're, we're, we're really not surprised to see other sectors of the market perform better this year because the fundamentals are simply improving. Their earnings estimates are going up much faster for those kinds of stocks than they are for the tech sector. And usually the market reacts a lot to that. That's a very important factor for a lot of, a lot of rotational strategies. I think you answered a little bit of this, but the next question, do you believe the value trade is sustainable? And if what are the drivers that will deliver improving results for the coming year? Yeah, I think this is going to be a good year for value. It's already been a good year for value. Uh, I think we will see the value side of the market work very well for the next couple of years. Yes, we do think rates are going to go up. Uh, but I think that they're going up for good reason. It's because the economy is improving. So I think in the end, earnings will um, you know, really be the driver, I think, on the value side. Earnings uh, obviously took a tremendous hit in a lot of sectors. And we do think earnings are going to be good this year. We're looking at about a 20 to 22% increase for the overall S&P. Uh, but you've got sectors such as you know, financials, energy, materials, industrials, where earnings are going to grow much faster than that 22% rate. And I, I don't think the market will go up 22% this year. I do think that we are in the process of getting valuations uh, back closer to normal levels of 17 to 18, 19 times earnings. I think we'll see that over the next couple of years as well. So, uh, I, but I, I do think it's gonna be the value side that performs better uh, for the time being. In digging down a little further, you know, besides just tech and value, 
you got, you know, there's seven, there's 11 S&P sectors, but there's 124 subsectors and you guys are pretty active in a lot of those sectors. You really are. Yep. I've read that on the cash flow and carry blog, your blog I was reading. <laughs> um, what sectors do you see money flowing into in the ETFs? You have really pinpoint some of those sectors where you can get a little more aggressive in something you really liked. Yeah, that's, that's, that's definitely something we've been doing for quite a while. And I'm, I'm glad Ed, that you are reading that. Um, been putting that out now for about 10 years. So it's, uh, you know, every week our, our economics team puts out the Monday morning outlook. And then uh, every Tuesday and every Thursday, we follow up with the, uh, the cash flow and carry blog. And, and we, we are starting to see more money going into more of these specialized thematic sectors, if you will, subsectors of the market. I do like uh, a couple sectors in particular. I think the biotech sector, uh, which has been kind of swept up in this NASDAQ correction, uh, I think looks very attractive right now in this marketplace. You know, it's interesting, a lot of the advancements that we've seen in this vaccine, in these vaccines that we're now beginning to, um, to administer, uh, a lot of them did come from the biotech space. And I think that the biotech industry is becoming much more mainstream. It was a very small part of the overall pharmaceutical uh, and drug-related side of the business. Its share of that side of the business is growing rapidly. And yet, you know, investors, they, they like the sector uh, at the beginning of the year. And all of a sudden, we've seen the sector uh, decline significantly here recently. And, and I'm seeing no change in earnings expectations. I don't think uh, that we have to worry about policies changing in D.C. That's always been one of the big concerns in the, in the pharma space. Anything pharma related is, is that a lot of, this, this, a lot of these products are paid for with, uh, with federal dollars. And if we have price controls and so forth, that's always been an issue. But I think in the end, um, I think it's going to be somewhat more, I, th I think more business as usual, I think, for that sector. And I think the, the, uh, the growth characteristics in that space, I think, will stand out. We have a lot more approvals actually so far in the first couple of months of the year than we've seen the last couple of years. So I think in the outlook for more products and more growth, I think in that sector looks very attractive. But I do, I do like uh, the natural gas space. I think is, um, I think we're starting to finally get a balance between supply and demand in the natural gas space. Uh, that is one sector, one subsector of the energy sector that looks attractive. And then uh, we also like the um, what we call the clean energy uh, stocks in the marketplace. A lot of companies involved with battery technology, solar, and things like that. I do think that policies uh, are going to be geared towards more of these uh, what are considered to be renewable energy sources and going forward. So I think that's another another part of the market that I think should do fairly well here this year after going through a pretty good correction recently. What would be your biggest worry of this market going forward? The biggest concern that I have uh, is really the same concern that I've always had, and that's inflation. Uh, basically getting to a level that where the Fed has to start raising interest rates, or at least it feels like it has to start raising interest rates. Um, you know, with inflation running at 1.7% in the last year, you know, the Fed, I think, will remain uh, stuck at neutral, if you will, or at zero, uh, highly accommodated. I, what I would be much more concerned about is if the Fed were to start raising interest rates at some point. I think the Fed has made it very clear they don't, they, they're not expecting to raise rates for a couple of years. But if, if we're talking late in the year, or maybe early next year at this time, Ed, and all of a sudden we've got inflation running at two and a half, maybe 3% or more, 
Uh, I think the Fed is going to be making some noise about raising interest rates. And if that's the case, I do think the market would react to that uh, negatively if that were to uh, suddenly uh, start to change. So I think, you know, by then we should have much better earnings and that, that, that'll support the market. But I do think that would bring about a pretty, pretty decent correction. I think we'd spent a long time since we've had a 20% correction in the market. And I do think that would bring about such a, a correction, I think. Well, I think you just answered my last question, which was how long will the, can the bull market last, I guess, until inflation comes or? Yeah, until the Fed, you know, to, as, as, the, as, the, as we used to say about the Fed, eventually, eventually the Fed takes away the punch bowl and, uh, you know, the party is, is going to go on. We're going to reopen the economy. Obviously, the, uh, the news has been good on that front. Uh, at some point, the Fed steps in and says we, we need to raise rates. And the, you, you watch the yield curve start to get very flat, even inverted. Um, those are the environments that we start to worry about. Uh, in the meantime, uh, there's a lot of spending right now. And if we were to see a pickup in uh, regulation in DC, and, and there's no doubt you're more likely to see regulation picking up over the next couple of years, uh, the regulation in and of itself doesn't bring about problems in the market but initially, but eventually a lot of those regulations uh, basically dampen productivity. And that's really the antidote to all this money is that we have gains in productivity. And, and if you've got regulations that make productivity gains more difficult, uh, there's no doubt that that will bring about more inflation, maybe a little sooner than we uh, would like to see. Well, Bob, thank you very much. That's been very interesting and very informing. I hopefully all the listeners out there have enjoyed you. I uh, hope to have you on in the future, Bob. Have to come back with that. us, Money Nation. Very good, Ed. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you for coming. And remember, listeners, any questions out there on your portfolio, on stocks, on bonds, on any investments, feel free to give me a call at 518-255-8854 or email me at edgardner at cutterco.com. Thanks, everyone. And good day from Money Nation. <laughs>